Hi, I'm Leora, and this is a Simply Lighthearted podcast, a place where I like to come and share a few stories. I think stories are so important in our human adventure. I think it's a way that we can feel connected, a way that we feel less alone. I think stories are just uh, an amazing tool to connect us to one another. For the last few weeks, we have been going through the Christmas story for the season of Advent. Advent is a season where we uh, take intentional time and prepare our hearts for the arrival, for the birth of Jesus. And Advent has become an important practice for me because this season, this month of December, uh, gets so busy. It gets so full of other things and it's easy to get distracted by the things that don't matter quite as much. I mean, they're good things. Christmas concerts, gift purchasing, Christmas parties, uh, all the different things that come in the month of December as we get ready to celebrate Christmas. And this season, while I was thinking about what will this Advent series be about, I had originally thought it was going to be about comfort and joy um, because I thought that that's what I wanted. I mean, I know that's what I want. I want comfort and joy. And that's why I was like, I am going to press in and I'm going to find these stories about comfort and joy. And I'm going to speak about those because that's what I want to speak over my life, comfort and joy. But then when I came to the Christmas stories and I started to try to fit them into this theme of comfort and joy, I just couldn't quite make them fit because I realized that with these stories, is actually a lot of disruptions. A lot of ways that comfort and joy get disruptive, that get the, our lives get disruptions from those things. And what we're actually longing for is Jesus. What we're longing for is heaven. We Heaven will be comfort and joy. Here on earth, we will have disruptions. That's my new line, I think. Here on earth, we will have disruptions. We will have things that will get in our way, that will tear us away from that comfort and joy that we so long for. And these Christmas stories are just such a helpful reminder that even with the disruptions, even with the things that come up that we could never have planned, maybe things that we never wanted, we had hoped against, or just a completely left turn, in our lives that we still can experience both comfort and joy in our lives with the disruptions. Today's story is about the shepherds. And I uh, just love characters like these in the Bible. We don't hear too much. We don't have a lot of description of who they were or how many there were or um, a lot about their story. We can look at some historical facts about what was happening around that time in history, around Bethlehem and around the shepherds and what their role was. And um, and it's quite the ragtag group of guys that lived outside of the city. They were often uh, outcast because they couldn't live in the same way that people in town could live. They lived outside in uh, outside of the city limits and they would stay out there for seasons at a time, even lifetimes. There would be these little communities that would uh, raise and bring these sheep. And with being this close to Jerusalem and Bethlehem, they would often be the ones that were raising the sheep that would be the ones that would go uh, to the temple for the the ritual sacrifices that happened um, to worship God. 
And so these were a really important uh, group of people in the system of how things worked. But as individuals, they weren't seen as very important. They were often kind of on the fringe. These shepherds were outcasts. They were never the first to know anything. They were on the outside and their lives were just a sideline, a side note in history. Um, and yet they played such an important role. And I'm, I'm imagining, I just, sometimes I think we forget that these are real people. They're people who had names, they're people who had families, they're people who ate breakfast, they're people who had hopes and dreams, um, they had favorite colors, favorite foods. They were people, real people like you and me. And while they're watching the sheep, I can just imagine them. I like to picture what it might have actually looked like, like play a movie in my head. What does it actually look like to be these shepherds? And so these shepherds, I can imagine them laying on their backs, all kind of curled up, a few of them up because they got to take shifts watching the sheep as they, as the night goes on, make sure, making sure none of them run off, make sure nothing sneaks in and attacks the sheep or keeping them all together. Um, and they're laying there and they're looking up at the stars. It's a clear night, and as they normally do, they just lay there on their backs or their sides, and they're just, it's quiet. You can hear the sheep kind of bleeding in the distance around them, maybe the guys that are talking around the fire, and they're looking up at the sky, and they wouldn't have all that light pollution that we have in most of the world that we have now. They would have this clear night sky with all of these stars just twinkling above them. And for them, it was just another night, another night out on the field. They didn't really know any different. It was, it was how they lived. It was who they are, laying there looking up at the stars. I remember growing up, um, we lived at a summer camp. And one of my favorite things to do at the summer camp was looking at the stars. There was so much opportunity for it um, because it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was on a small little lake. Uh, well, we call it a lake in Canada. If you're in the U.S., it was called Wallace Pond, but it's so much bigger than a pond. Trust me, it's not a pond. When you think of pond, you think of like scum on the bottom and like can like get across it in a couple seconds. At least that's my mind, a pond. But this was a lake. Canada calls it Lake Wallace and the United States calls it Wallace Pond. Anyways, half of the lake is in Canada and half of the lake is in the United States. Um, and it was it was like literally in the middle of nowhere. We were half an hour from pretty much anywhere. Well, maybe 20 minutes to the nearest town. And um, we were... A long way off from most of the light pollution there was a couple of cottages out on the lake um, and so they would cast off some light from that but overall there was so much sky to see at night and we would go across there was there was a highway that went in between the camp so there was like most of the camp on one side of the highway and then on the other side of the highway was kind of this forested area and we had a, a soccer field and an archery field up across the highway and if you got the chance to go up across the road, you got even further away from any of that light pollution and you could lay out there and look at the stars. You would also got like eaten by mosquitoes and black flies. There was so much bucks there and it was worse the further you got away from the lake. And so we got further away from the lake, went to the other side. And so you had to like layer up in bug spray because otherwise you get eaten alive. But you would lay up there at night and you would just look at the stars. And I remember so many nights going and finding a spot like that with a friend 
with a group of people and laying out there and sometimes you just lay there and look and you marvel and you think and it's quiet and you just have this like space to just think and breathe and other times you get talking you get into these deep conversations about different things and or goofy conversations things that had happened during the day and just having these wonderful conversations but it was it was something about that quiet that dark night and the stars up above getting to see them we also had um lightning bugs so little bugs that light up and that would fly around and rip around and i didn't you know when you grow up in an area and that's kind of just what you experience on the day-to-day you don't really realize how special some things are how unique it is to your area until you go elsewhere and you're like wait you guys don't have those <laughs> and that's how it was with these bugs they were so pretty they would light up and um it was just it's, it's just such a like magical place to be And that's where I think that's kind of how the image that I have when I think about these shepherds out in their field at night and they're laying there and they're sleeping, but it's it's what they know. It's all they've known is this time of being out in the fields and just doing their thing. They don't really expect anything different to happen tomorrow or that night or in a week's time or in 10 years time. This is the life that they live and they don't expect anything new or unusual to happen. But God has a different plan. God has a different plan for these shepherds. And so as they're laying out there this one night, all of a sudden, an angel appears before them. Now, angels, like we've talked about, are not like these shy, quiet little beings. They are these magnificent things that almost every time that they come and encounter a human, they say things like, do not be afraid. And the reason why they say that is because of the majesticness of their look and how they are. And it's so different than what we think it is. I don't know. I've never seen one. And I there's very little uh, physical description of what an angel looks like, or at least something that I can imagine. But I know that based on what is written in scriptures um, and how they almost always say, do not be afraid, is that there's something about them that is so beautiful and majestic and alarming that they have to warn people to not be afraid. And that's what this angel does. Something I want to remind us about in this time in history and how God has interacted with his people is that up until this point, it had been about 400 years since God had really sent any messages to the nation of Israel. Prior to that, he was the God that dwelt among them. His presence was physical in a way that when they went to the temple, it was it was there. And uh, especially when we look back all the way in history to the time of Moses. I want to talk about that for a minute because there's something called the glory of the Lord that was present here with the shepherds that was also present with Moses when he was receiving the law from God. The Israelites had left Egypt, and as they left Egypt, God had revealed himself in his presence to them through a pillar of cloud by day and like a pillar of fire at night. And this was an angel that was leading them, but it was the glory and the presence of God that was leading the people. And it was a very obvious physical thing that was happening in front of the people, but it was kind of contained to this one space. But once they got out into the desert and God was having conversations with Moses and he was beginning to have conversations with the whole nation of Israel, he reveals his presence to them. He asked them to prepare themselves to see his presence, to be in his presence in this new way. 
and the, the nation of Israel, they do prepare and they get ready and they, they come to the mountain where God has said he will meet with them. And as he's doing that, the glory of the Lord comes to this mountain. And it is so great. The people are terrified. They don't know what to do. It's this glorious feeling and sensation and the, the mountains are rumbling and trembling and a, there's a cloud that descends and this light sense that is around them and it's just so magnificent, so amazing, so incredible that it terrifies the people of Israel. And they say to Moses, they say, you know what, this is too much for us. Why don't you go meet with God and we'll wait here for you. Well, wait here. You come back with this message of God because his presence is too much for us. We, we can't. This is it's it's scaring us. So could you go and do this? So Moses agrees. And when Moses goes and meets with God and he comes back down the mountain, his face is glowing. Why? Because he had been in the presence of God and the glory of the Lord had reflected onto him. In a way that now is reflecting to the people, they can visually see it. And again, it, it scares the people of Israel how, how this looks for Moses. And so he has to veil his face so that not to scare the people of Israel. This is the glory of the Lord that is talked about in the Bible. And the next time, I mean, it, there's a couple more instances of it throughout scriptures, but basically what I, why I wanted to tell you about that is because something, it just hit me this time reading through the, the, the story this year, when, when the, um, the angel comes and talks to them, this is what it says in Luke 2, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And, and when I looked up what that meant, I was like, that never occurred to me. What is this? The radiance of the Lord's glory. And that is the same type of glory that is present with the nation of Israel. God's presence in that way has been removed from them for over 400 years because of their disobedience. And God in his kindness and God in his, I like to think of it as humor, but also in his graciousness brings that glory back to Israel, to who? To the shepherds, to the ones who are outside, the outcast. And this angel comes with this beautiful message of the hope that Israel has been waiting for, the thing that they've been clinging to. And he lets them know that the Savior, the Messiah, has been born in Bethlehem. And he tells them how they could go find it. You will find him by the sign. You will find him, ba the baby uh, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And then suddenly, suddenly after he gives this announcement, the, the a, a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, the armies of heaven. That, that like, what is that picture for you in your head when you think the armies of heaven? This great multitude of angels come and 
are among this group of shepherds, intermingling with them, singing praises of glory to God in the highest heaven. There's, it's like, I almost imagine, and I don't know because I'm not there and I'm not an angel and I'm not God, but I almost imagine this idea of like, the angels are so excited about what's happening. They've been anticipating, they have been waiting. They can't hold it in any longer. It's like a kid on Christmas morning being like, I have to open these presents like right now. I'm so excited. And that's how I envision these angels. They're like, we can't hold back anymore. We can't hold it in. The most amazing thing that has ever happened and will ever happen has just happened. And we can't hold it in anymore. And they can come together and they arrive in front of these amazing shepherds, the shepherds that are amazed, that are out just doing their regular everyday job. And he's, they start singing glory to God in the highest heaven, praising him. And, and, and then they tell them, and then they disappear. And then they're gone. I, I, I can't even imagine how long it took for those shepherds' eyes to adjust from that light and that brightness and the glory that was around them to like, oh, we're back to this now. Like, no lights. Can anybody see anything? Is, anyway, is everybody still here? Everybody's still okay? And once they kind of had settled in and realized, okay, everybody's still here. Nothing went bad. And they're like still in shell shock. They're like, we need, if that got the angels that excited that they had to come and tell us about it, we, we need to go find this baby. We, we need to go worship this baby like these angels just did. Like that, that changed something at their core. That changed something in who they were as people, as individuals. The, 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 the message and the, the idea that Jesus had come, the Savior, the Messiah of the world, all of a sudden a switch is flipped and those guys got to go. They got to go worship this king, even if it's a baby, even if it makes zero sense to them. It doesn't matter. They're going to go and worship. And so they leave their flocks behind. I don't know if they left one guy and like, you take care of it. We're all going. I'm not sure. Or they brought their, no, they didn't bring their flocks because later it says they went back to them. But I don't know what they did with their sheep. That always kind of makes me wonder, what did they do with their sheep? I don't know. Maybe somebody stayed behind. Anyways, they go and they find baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph in the stable. They're ones that actually see Jesus in his first moments of a baby. His breath. And I can imagine like Mary and Joseph being like, uh, hello? Why? Who are you? (laughs) Why are you here at my house? Or not even my house. Like Mary just gave birth. I've gone to visit friends and family after they've just given birth. That is an exhausting, terrifying time. It's a time of love and beauty and amazing things, but usually you're pretty selective at who gets to see you after that moment. And God picks this ragtag group of shepherds. And he's like, here, you go see this lady who just had a baby and her baby and her husband. Um, First time parents, just go and say hello. Just go tell them that like you're come to worship the king. And so off they go and they do. And I, I just like, it just makes me... Like the actual humanness of it just makes me laugh. I mean, the beauty of the story is and all the tie-ins and all the ways that God works and the ways that he sees all people, all people matter. He, he emphasizes that in the Christmas story is just so beyond beauty, so beyond belief, and so our God. I just love that about the Christmas story. Nobody's left out. It, it's just like these these off-handed people that are just like in a regular town just regular people being obedient to God so the, the shepherds go in and they worship 
And then they go and tell everybody they can find. It's nighttime. I don't know what time it is. Is it midnight? Is it two in the morning? Is it 10 at night? I don't know. But after they're done worshiping the king, they go and tell everybody they can find about what all they've seen and heard. And then this part of the story also stuck out to me. I think it's because I was also looking at the story of King David and what King David does after uh, Samuel come and anoints him as king. Both of those groups go back to watching sheep. They've had these monumentous moments that have happened in their lives. These delightful, I'm calling them a delightful disruption. They go back to being faithful to what they were called to do in the beginning. Nothing's changed really for these people. I mean, everything has changed. But they are called to be faithful to that one thing. And they go back to being shepherds. They, They go back to their flocks and continue to do that work. Sometimes we want these mountaintop experiences and we want them to change us. We, we want them, we want these things that will be like, okay, this is going to be it. This is going to be the moment where everything's going to change for me. But what if God is just calling us to be faithful in the thing that we're already doing? It's been really convicting for me right now. Going back to the sheep after this mountaintop experience and go back to watch those sheep. I don't know what Christmas is going to be like for you. I know for me, as Christmas is getting closer, it is getting increasingly harder for my heart. I am struggling with the concept of Christmas in the ways that we express it right now in our culture and how all the expectations and the visitation and the home and the family and all the things, it's just feeling like a lot right now. So I'm so glad that I have these stories to remind my heart about what is important, what is true, why it matters, what I want us to think about this week. As we're kind of in that final stretch, we're in the final stretch before Christmas. And, and, And in that final stretch, I want us to look for the ways that God is one, delighting in you because he is. And two, what are some delightful disruptions that are happening around you? What are those little blips along the way that you kind of go, I, God sees me. Whether it's like that warm coffee cup in the morning or something as magnificent, I don't know if it ever could be, but as those angels showing up to those shepherds, whatever it is, let's look for the delightful disruptions in our lives. I think we need to find them. They're important. All right. I think that's all I have for us this week, everyone. Thanks for listening in and I'll talk to you again next week.